Welcome to ShimmyCast episode 30, a podcast for fans and dancers of Middle Eastern dance. I'm your host, Anala Rabari. For this week's episode, we have event announcements and answers to the question of the week. We have a review of the DVD, Dynamic Combinations, Traveling in Style with Ava Fleming. And the article this week is about ISIS Wings. The music for this week's show is from Tim Rayborn and Trio Mafu. Uh, so let's get started with answers to the question of the week. What do you do while listening to ShimmyCast? Arabella from Vermont posted, I usually listen at work too. Most of the time at work, I do computer-based work, and I work in an area where 10 other people work, sort of in cubicles, but not really. So I have headphones on most of the time, and when I listen to ShimmyCast, I'm smiling. Well, knowing that you're smiling makes me smile. Okay, how often do you practice and for how long? And again, Arabella from Vermont posted, you don't expect us to answer this honestly, do you? (laughs) Yes, I do. She goes on to say, I will try. In a good week, I go to two classes totaling two and a half hours or so and practice at least half an hour at a time on three days that I don't go to class. A bad week. None of the above. But our dogs require companionship when they go in the backyard. Otherwise, one of them just runs back and forth by the door and won't do business. They're border collies, what can I say? And yes, I am answering the question. (laughs) Once we're in the backyard, though, I'm pretty much ignored by the dogs. So I take that opportunity to do figure eights, shimmies, and anything else that comes to mind. On a really good day, I remember to bring my iPod outside with me, and I can actually practice to music. Fortunately for me, none of the neighbors can see our backyard very well. I really like your idea of practicing your already known choreographies every day. What a concept. Now I just need to remember that that choreography that I haven't done since the performance six weeks ago. Thanks so much for asking these questions. They're great, Arabella. Well, I'm glad you liked the the questions. And um, the story about the dogs cracks me up. (laughs) I sometimes have the same problem with my Scottish Terrier, so I'm sympathizing with you. (laughs) What are your dance resolutions for this year? Again, Arabella. She was on a roll answering these questions this week, you guys. (laughs) Hi, Anella. Thank you for your thought-provoking questions. I have two resolutions, and they're the same ones I've had for a number of months. Maybe not quite since New Year's 06, but maybe. (laughs) They are, one, improve my shimmies, two, improve my undulations. I also made another kind of sort of resolution not to perform until I have a whole entire complete costume to wear. Last time I performed, my skirt wasn't hemmed and I had to purchase a top because I screwed up the bra embellishment. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, since I made that decision the day after my last performance, I haven't been to any belly dance classes and I've hardly practiced. Nor have I done any work on costumes. So I may need to revisit that decision, Arabella. Girl, get to work. Crank out those costumes. Sit down. Force yourself. <laughs> and next, Shannon posted on the board, Hi, Anala. Your answer to the last uh, question inspired me. I like the idea of running through every choreography I know every day. I've been doing it for a week now, and it's fantastic. I can already notice an improvement in the routines. I don't have to think, what comes next when I'm dancing them? So one of my resolutions is to continue to practice my seven routines daily. My other resolution is to finish the two original choreographies I have planned. One is started and the other is waiting in the wings. <clears throat> but I hereby promise myself to get them done sooner rather than later. I'm not an instructor or anything. I've only been dancing for 15 months. But I think working out a choreography for myself would be a good learning experience. Thanks for the podcast. Shimmy on. Oh boy, Shannon, yes. I firmly believe that when you start trying to work on choreography, whether it's for yourself, for solos, or for group choreography, you learn so much about the dance and about yourself as a dancer. For me, it's it's just such a wide learning experience because you have to really think through how moves fit together and how moves flow from one to the next. And not only do you have to think about that, you have to think about how they fit to the music and how they flow to the music and how they connect to each other within the framework of that music. And then, you know, if you're choreographing for a group, oh my gosh, that, that, that I think is one of the most challenging things I have done as a dancer is to choreograph for a group because you have to think about all the different skill levels you might be working with and you have to think about, you know, well, if I want to do this traveling step, um, will there be enough room? And, you know, well, what if I have, you know, 60 people trying to do this one choreography as opposed to five, you know, and, uh there, there's a lot to consider when choreographing for a group. But I definitely think it's a challenge that every dancer should pose to themselves at some point. You know, I'm not saying, you know, for a lot of you newcomers, oh, jump right in and try to choreograph a piece for a group. Don't do that. Don't give yourself a heart attack. <laughs> but... But, you know, a few years into it, just start trying to play around with choreography and the thought of choreographing for more than just yourself. And it, it, it's really fun, especially if you know you're just playing around and you're not actually literally planning on teaching it to a group of people and you're just kind of trying to play around. That can be a great learning experience. Um... Yeah, I have to agree with you. Some of my resolutions are to get back to choreographing. Um, you know, you said you had two routines that you're working on. I have a list of like 10 songs that I want to choreograph something to. And some of it is for, I, mean, I want to choreograph group, troop pieces, 
for and then some of it is personal um solos and prop pieces that I want to choreograph to and that is kind of my other resolution I really want to you know buckle down and get to work on having a really nice um solo veil routine and solo sword and zill and cane and Isis wings because these are all the props that I have. So I I really just want to start expanding my own solo repertoire with um, more props. I have I I do have one veil routine in my repertoire as a soloist, um, but it's to a Christmas song. <laughs> so you know it's not really workable into most shows most of the time. <laughs> So that's my resolution is to really get a a workable solo prop routine that I can pull out anytime I need for a performance. And now your shimmy cast news. February 1st through the 28th, the Belly Dance Superstars will be having performances and workshops throughout British Columbia and Ontario, Canada, as well as Connecticut, California, Washington, Indiana, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Arizona in the United States. February 3rd, Jenny's Belly Dance Boudoir sponsors yoga for dancers with guest instructor Sarah Lee in Boardman, Ohio. February 3rd, Flamenco Passion and Saidi Stick Workshops by Pedralta Dance and Weddington Litchfield Staffs, United Kingdom. Sorry if I butchered any of that. February 3rd through 4th, Yasmin presents Suhailia Salampur in Workshops and Show in Charlotte, North Carolina. February 9th, the 6th Annual Mirage in Winter will be held in Salt Lake City, Utah. February 9th through 11th, Tribal Con 2007 in Atlanta, Georgia. February 9th through 11th, Oslo Oriental Dance Festival in Oslo, Norway. February 10th, Balkan Brothers Concert in Silver Spring, Maryland. February 10th through 11th, Drum Solo Choreography in... Triborette combinations, workshops, and performances with Carrie Konya in Richland, in, yes, in Richland, Washington. February 11th, Middle Eastern Dance Showcase and Fashion Show in South Orange, New Jersey. February 11th, Tribal Workshop, Fast and Fun in Chicago, Illinois. February 17th, Mersden presents A Taste of Dance in Reading, United Kingdom. February 17th, Tribal Workshop Fast and Fun in Wakanda, Illinois. February 17th through the 18th, Tanya and Atlantis, Tanya and Atlantis present the 17th Annual Belly Dancer of the Universe Competitions and International Dance Festival with vendors, two spectacular shows, 11 competitions, celebrity judges, and workshops in Long Beach, California. 
February 17th through the 18th, the Barbary Coast Shakedown with instructors Jill Parker, Rose Harden, Sarah White, Elizabeth Strong, and Mara Betts in Orlando, Florida. February 17th through 18th, Suhalia Workshop Intensive in Austin, Texas. February 18th, Gypsy Zagat Dance, Finger Symbol Dance, Workshop in Classic Egyptian Choreography in Davis, California. February 21st, Cutting Edge Belly Dance, Sword Workshop in Chicago, Illinois. February 23rd, Khadija in Workshops in Palermo, Italy. February 23rd through the 25th, Annual Down Under Tribal Retreat Weekend in... Kurumundi, Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. I apologize to those of you down under for butchering your city names. February 21st through March 3rd, Belly Dance Cruise on the Diamond Princess to the Mexican Riviera, featuring workshops by Rachel Lazarus Soto, Princess Farhana, Jeremy Soto, and Jim Boyes. February 25th, tour to Bollywood, India, leaving from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Other states can be arranged. This has been the ShimmyCast News for this week. And as always, you can find more information about all of these events on our forum board. That was a lot of events. Sorry, guys. I <laughs> had to get a drink. Which, the drink for this evening's show is white grape peach juice. Which explains why I'm a little punchy. That and the fact that it is like 11.46 at night when I'm trying to record this. <laughs> anyway. I'm with the show and it's time for a review. Dynamic Combinations Traveling in Style with Ava Fleming by Marrakesh. As a belly dance student slash hobbyist, one of the things I need to work on, okay, one of the many things, is adding more traveling steps and using up more space when I dance. Having only a small apartment to practice in outside of class, I sometimes fall into the habit of dancing in front of the mirror and not making the most of my dance space. When my teacher points this bad habit out to me, I've tried using the excuse that Rock Sharky did not originally use a lot of traveling movements, as dancers often had only a small confined area to dance in. But that one hasn't gone over too well. <laughs> so, to the rescue comes Dynamic Combinations Traveling in Style with Ava Fleming, produced by the International Academy of Middle Eastern Dance. In this DVD, dancer Ava Fleming, based in Phoenix, Arizona, offers a dozen traveling step combinations to help you break out of the box. Some involve taking a more or less basic step, such as a hip twist, and traveling with it while adding directional changes and other variations. Others begin with a traveling step, then transition into other movements, then back to the original traveling step. Although the point is to travel, Ava adds other elements to these movements, such as camels, hip work, shimmies, etc., so that they function as choreography 
and not merely getting you from one end of the stage to the other. At the end of each step combination, she's, she offers a few variations on it for extra variety. Her movements have the elegant look associated with Egyptian-style dance, and a few of the step combinations are borrowed from and, cre and credited to Egyptian or Egyptian-style dancers, such as Rika Hassin and Sahara Saida. She also uses modern Egyptian music in her demonstrations and employs a basic eight count to break down her movements. I'm not enough of an expert to determine what is authentically Egyptian here and what should be considered more American cabaret style. And I could find very little information about her via the internet, so I don't know who or what has influenced her style. However, I feel that this DVD will appeal more to those who prefer a cabaret style than to those looking for something more folkloric, tribal, or who like to explore more complex rhythms, such as the Turkish 9-8 or Moroccan 6-8. The thoroughness of Ava's instruction is a definite plus. She begins each combination by performing it in its entirety. Then she gives a detailed breakdown of each step in the combination. She repeats the steps a number of times and demonstrates the steps from various angles. Emphasis is placed on proper positioning and technique, and she occasionally even shows how not to do a move. She is concerned about having the viewer avoid injury and, when necessary, points out, for example, the need to protect the knees by making sure the movement comes from the muscles, not the joints. She also gives arm positioning to be done with each step combination, although these are not as thoroughly broken down as the movements involving footwork, hips, and torso. As is to be expected from IAMED videos, the production quality is excellent. The set is well lit and not too cluttered, and Ava's legs and feet are visible at all times. During the instruction, she speaks live to the viewer rather than employing a voiceover, and is audible at all times. Ava has a soft-spoken voice and pleasant demeanor, which makes it easy to view this DVD multiple times without it becoming annoying or tiresome. There is very little fluff in this DVD's 115-minute running time. No long introduction, no history of belly dance, etc., and even the performance segment is only about four minutes long plus another brief performance during the closing credits. Overall, this DVD would be most suitable for intermediate to advanced students, although newly intermediate students can pick up the easier combinations and try the more difficult ones as they become more experienced dancers. I've already incorporated her funky figure eights into a choreography I performed at a recent student hofla, and I expect more bits and pieces from this DVD will be showing up in future choreographies. Before purchasing dynamic combinations, I was completely unfamiliar with Ava Fleming, but after working with this DVD and after seeing her perform in the DVD Belly Dance Spectacular, where she was just that spectacular, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more of her work and hopefully learning more about her too. In the meantime, I'll be working toward traveling in style.
I'd like to thank Marrakesh for submitting that review. Um, since I put out the call for help with the show, I've gotten a lot of people submitting reviews and a lot of people who have said, hey, can I be on the podcast staff? I'd like to write reviews and write articles. And um, it's been a lot of fun getting to know all of these ladies who I will be introducing you to throughout the coming shows. And um, I'm also working on having a special show that is going to be dedicated to introducing you guys to the ShimmyCast staff and all of these new people who you're going to be hearing from and just going to kind of give you a bio of all of these people and what their interests are and um, some of the ideas for articles and reviews and things that they want to be working on so you guys will know what to look forward to. But now it's time for this week's first song, which is Incompatibility de Genoi by Trial Mafu. Um, this is from the compilation album Cleopatra Cafe, which is from Time Zone Records. And I got this from a new service I found thanks to um, Arabella, who does Rocks Radio. Uh, and it's called Iota Promonet, and it lets podcasters have music um, for free to use in their podcasts, and people can use in their blogs and stuff, as long as they um, give credit, of course, to the record label and the album and the artist and all that kind of stuff, which I absolutely have no problem doing, because you guys are going to want to know that information anyway, because you're going to like the music. But anyway, here it is, and I hope you guys like it.
This is in reply to the question on your latest Shimming Cast episode from the woman looking for good print belly dance magazines. I subscribe to all the national ones in the U.S. Not quite obsessive enough to subscribe to magazines overseas. First of all, Habibi magazine is back in print after an absence over a year. I believe the previous publisher went bankrupt or something. I had no clue. I've been going stir-crazy Ever thinking, why isn't this on my newsstand anymore? So thank you for that information. Anyway, back to her email. The new incarnation of Habibi is available by subscription only for the time being. Another reason why I couldn't find it on my newsstand. <laughs> the focus is somewhat more scholarly than the other magazines, focusing on the history of the dance, cultural issues, etc., I would highly recommend this one. And the website for it is habibimagazine.com. And Habibi is H-A-B-I-B-I. As far as the more general interest, Billy Dance magazines, I think Zigarit gives you the best bang for the buck. It's published six times a year as opposed to quarterly and has a good mix of articles such as features on specific dancers, musicians, etc., advice and tips for performers and teachers, personal essays, event reviews, and more. Those interested in costume making might want to try Jarirda, that's um, J-A-R-E-E-D-A, which features an annual costume issue as well as other costuming articles throughout the year. And yes, I enjoy the webzines too, but you can't take one of those into the bathtub. Marrakesh. No, it would be very, very bad to take a webzine into the bathtub. I have, and let me tell you, Marrakesh, 
That had me cracking up. I almost fell off my couch when I read that in your email. So thank you for the laugh. Um, next, I got an email from Beatrice, who is in the UK. And she says, I just wanted to say I've been missing the podcast for the last couple of months. Long, boring explanation edited out. <laughs> That's what she actually wrote. <laughs> but I've just been catching up in the last week or so. I loved the interview with Princess Farhana mainly because she is such a funny person and had a lot of useful and interesting information for dancers, but also because she mentioned an event in London where she danced last summer, and I was so happy when she said the other dancers supporting her were good because I was one of them. Woohoo! Fame at last! <laughs> still catching up and still loving Jimmy Cast. Thank you for that email, Beatrice. I... I know y'all are probably sick of me talking about Princess Farhana, but I just, I love her. She is such a great person, such a great instructor. She's so warm and inviting and funny and just a wealth of information. And she was really nice. She sent an email out to a lot of her other professional belly dancer friends telling them to email me and set up interviews with me for the show. And I've, I've been a bit bogged down lately, but I am working on getting those interviews done for you guys because I just I had so much fun with that one interview. I'm kind of like addicted to wanting to do interviews now. Um, it just takes a lot of planning to get interviews done because you got to work out schedules and you have to come up with, you know, I, I like to personalize the question to the dancer. So I have to research the dancer and then fit the schedule in and everything, but they're coming, I promise. And then finally, we had a post on the board from Uber Ninja. And she says, Anala, your podcast is fantastic. I originally downloaded it on iTunes out of curiosity. One of my acquaintances at work is a dancer, and her presence motivated me to research the topic a bit more. Shimicast is so informative. Thanks to you, I've decided to become a dancer myself. I'm already teaching karate, so maybe one day I'll teach belly dance as well. Wish me luck. Well, Uber Ninja, you have all my best wishes. Good luck, and you'll fall in love with it. You'll just, you'll love it. And yay, the podcast converted a person to dancing. <laughs> We've made a dancer, you guys. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Anyway, if you guys have comments or suggestions or feedback, um, you know, email it, shimmycast at gmail.com, post on the forum, um, leave reviews on iTunes, vote for the podcast. Every little bit helps to get the word out that the podcast is available for information about stuff. This week's article is Observations on Isis Swings by Nala Rabari. Now, I know what you are all thinking. Normally, my articles on props are titled 
nearly everything you need to know about this prop. Well, I feel I can't say that about Isis Wings as I've only owned a pair for about three months. So I'm going to be sharing with you three months of observations and research. And hopefully this information will be the beginning of a larger article to be written at some future time and to be shared with you guys again. So first, selecting wings. Isis wings are made of two pieces of semicircular fabric with a rod inserted into a pocket on the top side of the wing at each end. The most common fabrics used to make wings seem to be lame, organza, or silk, and they seem to be available in just about any color you can imagine. For instance, silk wings can be dyed to specific hues or even tie-dyed to match costume. The wings can be pleated or not. I will note that most silk wings that I have seen are not pleated. When the wings are pleated, this is done with a high-temperature industrial steamer, and although this makes the pleats fairly permanent, care should still be taken to maintain the crispness of the pleats. The rods used can be made of any number of materials, such as wood dowel rods, lucite, or PVC. I personally think the wooden dowels would be, bad, would be a bad option for a few reasons, the two most important being splinters and the ease of breaking. Although they would probably have the advantage of being able to be painted to better match the fabric if it's a see-through fabric. One thing to think about if you are replacing rods or making your own wings is the weight of the rods. After all, you know how heavy a veil can get after a few moments. Just think of what some little sticks might feel like after a four-minute song. Most rods seem to come in two lengths, one a rather long length at 26 inches and the other shorter at around 12 inches. When trying to decide, think about the places you are likely to perform in. Will you be in rather confined inside areas like a restaurant? If so, you might opt for shorter rods. However, if you are more likely to be in stage shows or outside, you might prefer the extra drama you can achieve with longer rods. Sometimes you can find wings that have shorter rods and that are tapered toward the bottom, making a smaller wingspan that is preferable for tight performing places like restaurants. These are often called swallowtail butterfly cut by some dancers. It was hard to determine what the common sizes are for wings and what sizes are good for what heights. On most websites, the sizes seem to be advertised at 50, 54, or 57 through 59 inches long from the neck to the floor. And all of these heights are supposedly good for fitting heights of 5 foot 4 to 5 foot 9. In the tips for carrying section, I'll talk about how to fit your wings better to your own body. Wings can be attached in one of two ways, either around the neck or on the upper arms. The clasps are usually either Velcro or a hook and eye. Now, some dancers have said they prefer the quick release that a Velcro clasp offers. 
while other dancers feel the hook and eye is more secure. So that's the decision you'll need to make for yourself. It is more important to note that wings which attach on the upper arm are not smaller than wings that attach at the neck. The amount of material is the same for each design from the upper arm to the fingertip. So only the material from the neck to the upper arm is missing when the wings attach at the upper arm. Tips for using wings. I feel the best way to get comfortable to using the Isis wings is just to play around with them. Become childlike again. Remember when you were little and wished you could fly or you wished you were a fairy? Now hold that feeling while you swish around with your Isis wings. You need a lot of space to work with Isis wings because you can essentially have a six-foot wingspan depending on the length of your Isis wings. I find that the ceiling is high enough in my living room, but then the furniture is in the way. So most of the time, I practice in my backyard or take my wings to the studio where we hold classes. As far as what music to use for a performance with Isis wings, I tend to like the idea of music that sounds very pharaonic, such as the very theatrical music used in the soundtrack to The Mummy. I also enjoy music that is more electronic or new age in sound. To make your wings more comfortable, line the neck or armbands with some nice fabric, like a soft felt, or treat yourself with velvet. If you want to dress up your wings, you might consider sewing lightweight payettes to the bottom where the pleats crease. Be aware of how this will affect the weight of the material and thus how it flows in movement. You can also dress up your wings by putting a jeweled pin at your neck for a bit of embellishment if they attach at the neck. One advantage if your Isis wings are the kind that fasten around the neck, then you have the option to remove them while you perform. You can discreetly turn your back to the audience and then unfasten them and gracefully toss them away. Another creative thing to do with Isis wings is to layer them. Mix colors, fabric types between the wings and your costume pieces and attach the wings in a mix of ways. You'll be amazed at the effects you can achieve. Look for inspiration in poses featured in Art Deco Egyptian theme sculptures, films, like think of uh, the figures on the Ark in Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, or look for authentic Egyptian hieroglyphs. Caring for Wings There are a lot of considerations to take into account with Isis wings. When you first get your wings, you should inspect them and reinforce all clasps. If you would like to make your wings more custom to your height, you can shorten them by detaching the collar, then cut off as much length as you need to from the end of the wing that attaches to the collar, and then reattach them to the collar. If your rod happens to break, you should be able to undo the stitching at the top or bottom where the rod is held in place, remove the broken rod, and replace it with a new one, and then stitch the opening closed again. If you are traveling long distances to a performance by plane or car, you might consider taking extra rods in case one breaks in transport. If your wings start to lose their plates or they won't fold back properly, you can spread your wings out on a floor one at a time, 
and refold them by hand. If you have wrinkles in your wings or you want to liven up the pleating, gather a couple of layers of folds, place a damp washcloth on top of them, and lightly iron or steam them. To clean your wings, you will need to take them to a professional dry cleaner. You can store your wings by hanging them on your closet rod. I would suggest wrapping the rod with a washcloth or something else to pad it. This helps prevent the threads in the loop from breaking under the pressure of the weight of the wings. You can then loosely wrap fabric bands around the wings to keep them out of the way and maintain their pleats if they're pleated. So I hope you all enjoyed that article on Isis Wings, and I promise as I learn more, I will add to the article, and I will present it again in the far future when you all need to be reminded about Isis Wings again anyway. <laughs> but now it's time for the question of the week, and I'm going to take this question from an email that I got from Jenny in Fort Wayne, Indiana um, a couple of weeks ago, and she asked... How much background in other dance forms do dancers have, if any? And I'm actually, I'm going to open this up a little more and even um, say how much background do you guys have in any kind of movement classes? I mean, um, as far as like martial arts or um, I could see where gymnastics, maybe even swimming might be benefit you and to answer that you can send an email to shimmycast at gmail.com or you can post on the forum board by going to the website shimmycast.blogspot.com and finally it's time for the second music pick of the week and this is Leylat Ode which is a Turkish song from the album Kadim by Tim Rayborn. I hope you all enjoy, and until next time, this is Anala Rabari saying shimmy on.
Thanks again for listening to ShimmyCast. You can leave us feedback at shimmycast at gmail.com and be sure to visit our website and forum at www.shimmycast.blogspot.com. Remember, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the podcast crew. Thanks again.